a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. We've got a special co-host today, Evan. Hello. It's nice uh, being back more frequently. I'm yeah. liking it. Evan Stoffler, he's a... Uh, we're always glad to have you because you have such a, a great hockey knowledge base. And you've been through so much crap. Yes. <laughs> Spread out all over the world. <laughs> and you've, Yeah, you've traveled the world playing hockey and that makes it... I mean, it's... we got to have you in and just tell more of your stories. Sure. Because they're, they're good stories. Yeah. And uh, our guest today, uh, Nick Fernelius. Nick, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm excited. Like, it's fun because I got to watch you grow up a little bit, and I've got to watch you play, and you know, play at the U. And we, when we first started doing it, we were watching you at the U doing the show, and uh, it's just been fun. And now you're coaching, so you're like the perfect example of what we talk about on the show, and that is is that you. You grow up here, you play, and then at some point you give back. Because you you don't have kids. No. You know, and what age group are you coaching right now? U14. You definitely don't have a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> definitely not. And you, it's not like they pay coaches tons of money that entice you into coaching these travel teams. Right. So you're taking time out of your personal life. And How old are you now? I'm 24. You're 24 years old. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a huge sacrifice for being 24 to coach travel team hockey. So I just think it's awesome. So I wanted to have you in you. and tell your story and, uh, and and let people get to know you a little bit better. So um, how old were you when you started playing hockey? So I was three years old when I did the like Learn to Skate program here. I think back then it was called Dynamites. I think we did it back at, uh, out at Acord, West Valley. So three years old, did the Dynamite program. Um, and then... From there, after a year of that, moved on to Mites, played for a few years, and then just kind of up through the, the house leagues, travel, and so on. Um, what travel teams did you play for? I started with the Lightning. So I listened. You had uh, Nick O'Kane on the podcast before. <laughs> yep. So I uh, played with Nick O'Kane for, geez, I, I want to say maybe four years, maybe yeah. even longer than that, maybe five years. Uh, his dad was the coach of all the Lightning teams I was on. So we, we started there, kind of when that program first got started, um, and then moved to Grizzlies from there for three years and then went to the Eagles, which is the organization that I coach for now. So did you just play U18 with the Eagles? or Yeah. Yeah? Yep, just U18. Who was your coach then? Matt Green. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a stud. He is a stud. Good dude. All right, so um, – that's awesome, and, and that so I, I knew it was the U eighteen because at the time that was all the Eagles had, right? Because yeah. when uh, Matt and I took over the organization, that was our first 
thing as we, because Matt was a coach in there for a while, and then we kind of took over the organization and made it bigger, which I don't know. For a few years, it was awesome. I don't know how they're doing now, but, man, we had 18, 16s, 14s, and 12s, and we ended up with two teams of both age group, or all the age groups. And it yeah. was, that was so much fun, and it was good to see it grow and to, to have so much stuff. So, um, okay, so you play U18 at the Eagles. Who was on your U18 team? Did, oh, man. Uh, Sam Taylor was on there. Um, Second Nick, Lieutenant Sam Taylor? Yeah, exactly. Um, Nick O'Kane was on there. We had guys like Cody Russell, Cody Bowen, yep. who coaches in the Eagles organization now, uh, Troy Kornberg, Willie Faubert. So a lot of guys. That was went this on one to of play. the years that you guys did? You guys make it to the national championship? Yeah. So both the years that I played the U18s, we made it. Took third both years actually. Yeah. Yeah. I knew you guys were. Uh, that was like a really dominant year, and that's what really your years are what put the Eagles on the map and made it to the point where people are like, "Wow, they're pretty good." And that opened the door to bring in the rest of the teams. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. So thank you for that because it was fun for me. And I had a huge growing experience coming because, you know, I'd been with the Junior Grizzlies and just got put into a system that was already built. And then you guys opened the door for me and Matt to open all these other teams and then run these training camps. And because and, I'd been running my hockey camp forever. Evan, you've always been a part of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden we were just like, all right, we're going to go from – three hours a day at camp to nine hours a day because we're going to run the Eagles through this. And we are just we tried to make it like a super positive experience for everybody and then make it a powerhouse. And then every year we were winning state championships and putting kids back in the national tournament. So it's cool. And that it all comes from that core group of you guys that all just seemed to stay together. Yeah, we did really since, uh, you know, lightning years. Yeah. I mean, I remember Sam Taylor was on the lightning Cody, uh, Cody Bowen was on the Lightning, so a lot of those guys that, you know, we played Lightning with from, you know, U12s, U14s, and on, we just kind of all were really good friends, and, you know, we didn't even have tryouts for, I think, either U18 Eagles team that I was on. It was just kind of like, call your friends, who wants to play, let's get a band together and, and go out and play some hockey. That's so it was, awesome. It was awesome. That is awesome. Just, like, get all your best friends together and have a travel team. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, what made you decide to pick the University of Utah? Was it degree-based or was it hockey-based? You know, it was a a little bit of both. I think I just always wanted to go to the U in general, so not necessarily going there for a specific field of study, but, you know, just going there for school. I wasn't really decided on what I wanted to do yet. Um, And then I played at Skyline High School for four years, and so we had guys like Doug Newell who went to play at the U, Dean Wilson went to play at the U. So guys like that, I wanted to follow them, play with them at the U because they were still playing. And so I had the opportunity to do that. But that's kind of how I ended up there. Just, you know, wanted to go to school there, learn they had a hockey program. Then, uh, you know, went from there, tried out, made it. So, How many years did you play there? Uh, five. five. I just finished my fifth year last year. Nice. Yeah. The old Barstool Sport fifth year. Yeah, exactly. The I've ACHA got- fifth year. Yeah. Well, that's awesome because you have. I I played my. That's actually where I played my fifth year. Was at Utah. It's awesome. So I I was glad for the opportunity because I didn't really want to go to school. Yeah. But I had to go there. Like I had graduated from Weber and I had to go get my EMT because I was going to be a fireman and I knew that that was my path and I knew that the U was the only choice. So I'll tell you the people that were running the program then, and I I know it's the same now. I know with AJ, like we've had AJ on the show, and you guys are in such good hands, but. 
And Weber was good. Weber was, Weber was a really good program to go to. But then I went to the U where we had such influential people. And, like, I was – my team was built of – we weren't winning every game. And at, we were, like, we were really focused on winning. But at the U, we, were, we had all these grad students. Like, I think we had two law students, at least two uh, pre, uh, guys there at med school that had played, like, at, a, at an NCAA program or – played clubs somewhere else and now we're becoming doctors and they're like hey i can still play hockey while i'm here at the u and like the the people that were in the program playing and the people that were running the program uh jim jorgensen who was he was the director of the university of utah hospital at the time the dude had so much influence and they were such a positive influence on my life not just hockey but like focused on helping me get like when they found out i was going to be a paramedic like jim jorgensen made phone calls i had I had an offer to be on air med if I wanted. Usually you have to be three years as a medic. I had been a medic for like eight minutes. <laughs> and Jim Jorgens is like, hey, you want to fly? I'm like, yeah. But I didn't do it because that's, I mean, you don't want to backdoor a job like that. But just the influence was there. And the people, the vibe was so positive at the U that it was, it was really impressive. It's awesome. Good people. Really yeah. good people. And I think, I think you guys still have that. Absolutely. The, the program kind of suffered for a second, and that was back full strength. So were you there when you guys made the switch to Division One? Yeah, so my first two years, we were Division Two, And those two years, uh, you know, pretty dominant two years. We made nationals both years. We hosted my first year there, which was an awesome experience. So we got to do that. Um, lost a heartbreaker in the last game of nationals to Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, 4-3, I think was the final score. And then the next year, made it to Nationals again. And then the next year after that was our first season as kind of like a hybrid year. So we were playing half our schedule Division Two, half our schedule Division One. Uh, didn't have a bad year. Uh, still, you know, dominated Division Two, And then Division One. I, I think we won a few games. Definitely lost most of our Division One games. And then the two years after that, uh, full Division One schedule. Definitely tougher years than the yeah. first two years. Lost a lot more games. Um, played... A tough schedule because all the teams out west are mostly top 20, top 25 teams. You know, when you talk about Minot, who just won the national championship last year, uh, Arizona State, Arizona. So, you know, teams, you know, schedule was, was stacked with a lot of those guys and made it tough to, to find wins. But, you know, did what we could and it was fun. Yeah. And those teams, like, well, especially Arizona State, obviously, you've got kids that went there thinking they were going to play NCAA and maybe didn't make the team, they were going to walk on or whatever. But kids that have all played USHL, NAHL, and then that's who you're ending up playing. And same yeah. with Minot. You have kids that wanted to go to North Dakota and ended up playing at Minot. Minot was a um, kind of a weird thing because they had <clears throat> they had a team in the WHL for a little bit when, when I was back there and, and playing in Botno. So they were they had some way of getting these players because they weren't NCAA, but they had some they had players that would play in the dub and then end up playing at Minot and just destroying the ACHA. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Our, uh, our very first experience up at Minot, the year we played our hybrid season, we, uh, we went up there and it was, it's a very uh, professional level sort of game that you play up there with, as far as like the broadcasting goes, replays yep. and everything. Very professional pro- production and I just remember they were, when they were announcing their starting lineups, it was a full Canadian starting lineup, and we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, we kind of see where this one's going here, so we better uh, we better play. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, Minot's a great team. Yeah, and those are, and that's fun for 
our guys to go up there and see that. And it's good for our administration to go up there and see, like, hey, we can do this. And if we can get a little bit more fan base, you know, you can turn it into a big production like that. And I know now you guys have that. You guys have announcing and yeah. streaming and, you know, you can check out how the U's doing and, you know, tune it in and listen to AJ or whoever else is talking. I don't even know who's doing it this year, but it's nice that you guys stream it, have good announcers, and people are bought in. Yeah, absolutely. AJ's done a phenomenal job with that. And that guy's uh, like Matt Coma that was doing yeah, announcing yeah. for a long time. Yep. Um, and just a lot of volunteers behind the scenes that help with that kind of stuff. So as a as an alum now, have you gone to some games this year? Uh, I haven't had the chance to go to a game yet. I, you know, with the coaching, yeah. makes it tough because when they're home, uh, I was out of town for a tournament, and uh, they, they kind of started their season a little bit later this year. So I haven't had the opportunity, but I, I'm definitely planning on it. Yeah. Have you been hearing how the team's doing? I mean, obviously yeah. – we're on the same men's league team, right. and our locker room talks about it quite a bit. Yeah, but uh, so what do you th- what do you think their chances are this year, based on what you're hearing of having a really good s- season? Um, you you know, don't have to give an official answer because you're just you're alumni now. You can give like this is my opinion. I think they need. Yeah, I think uh, I, I I know they've started the season a little bit rough. Yeah. Had a few losses. Um, obviously, you know, having played just last year. I, I call the guys on the team, you know, when if they have a tough loss, I'll, I'll call a couple of the guys after the game or shoot them a text, kind of, uh, you know, see what, what went on in the game, what they think happened. So tough start to the year. I, I think they're deep, so I think they can definitely turn around. they got a lot of young guys, so a lot, a lot of young forwards, um, definitely deep at, at forward. I'm not sure they're as deep at D, and I know as far as goaltending goes, they've had some injury issues. Yeah. Uh, especially recently, this you know past couple weekends, I think they had like three goaltenders out at one point. Had to dress a player as a goalie, so yeah. that's that's going to make it tough to win some games yes, when, you, when you have a player in there. I know it got crazy because well, we're in the locker room and they're like, "Yeah, we dropped both goalies this weekend," and then uh, I started talking to AJ and we started trying to figure out if my son could go, but he works here at the radio station and he'd already kind of taken the week before off because we went to. Uh, we went out of town to see my daughter play handball for West Point. <laughs> Still can't get over the handball thing. But anyway, we went, and so he'd just take a time off work. And that's the other part of that. You've got to balance hockey, school, and work. So he has classes at sometimes where the U has practice, and he has work. He works here Fridays and Thursdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So that's a lot of the practices and games. Yeah. So I'm like, you have a, you, there are other goalies there that just can't play because of school or whatever. So that's, it's tough, but yeah, that's what that's what we've been hearing, and that's kind of what we've been seeing is that uh, they split the series with Weber, and uh, I don't know. I kind of expected them to win both those games. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I don't think we lost to them since maybe my freshman year. We yeah. lost one time, so definitely tough to see that one. Yeah, well, we're hoping you know for the best for them. So yeah. tell me about uh, who are you coaching now? The Eagles. So, yeah, coaching the U fourteen Eagles, and that's double A. Uh, so. It, it is we're a okay we're a so we started the season with hopes to go double a yep ended up i think you know we're gonna be a this season we don't have to officially declare until december 1st i think okay. but it looks like the plans we're gonna go a see and that's smart because in the past you'd be like hey we're double a and then you have tryouts 
and you have A-level talent show up, and you're like, nope, we're exactly. still double A, and you go and just get destroyed. Exactly, and that was the big thing with the parents this year was from, you know, I didn't coach last season, but it sounds like they had a pretty tough season as far as losses go. They started double A, we're getting killed, we're getting killed at A, kind of ended up at B after wow. a while, and so uh, for this year... The feedback was, you know, let's play games that we're competitive in, which I, you know, I think is best for development anyway. Right. So, you know, I don't want to go out and play double A games and, and get killed. We played the the double A Grizzlies uh, for one game here, and that was sort of a wake up call where, you know, they they stomped us to the point where it was like, okay, we're we're an A team. Okay. I don't think we're gonna. Well, it's smart to know them. that, and and I think yeah. in the past, uh, coaches' egos or. The organization's egos would get in the get in the way, and I, that's the one thing I'd hoped that we had left with the Eagles is that this is all about the kids, and Absolutely. we're trying to make this the best experience possible for the kids. Evan, did you play travel team here? I did for two years. It was Team Utah, and then switched to the Junior Grizzlies. Did you ever? Were you guys ever outclassed like that, or like outmatched? Yeah, the the first year, especially, it was. Um, I think we played maybe 50 games and won seven or eight. Oh. And it was just, I think they said we were triple A, but I don't, clearly, we really weren't. And it, I mean, the, there weren't as many rinks here, so it was tough to kind of build on anything. And I, I don't think that really does anyone any good to be like, oh, I play triple A, but I mean, you can't develop yourself. You can't develop with your teammates if you never have the puck. Yeah. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. For a while there, all we were producing was goalies. Because we kept saying we're AAA, and we'd go out there and our kids were not getting a ton of puck time. But our goalies were getting a ton of shots, and our goalies started getting better and better and better. So for a while, the only players getting out of here were goalies. But then even that, when guys would come out to recruit, um, one thing, so when J.P. Parisi talked to me about recruiting goalies, and he talked to me about why he'd go to certain games and watch certain goalies, and he's, he's like, yeah, it's easy to go to a team, and he was talking about my team, it's easy to go to a team like yours and watch you guys get blown out and see a goalie make spectacular saves and want and to bring that goalie on board, but how's he going to do in a 1-1 game? Like if you've got nothing to lose, you've got nothing. To, if if you know you're going to lose ten nothing, then why not try and stack your pads and make something spectacular instead of being technically sound or in the right position all the time, right? So even that, there was a point where we were just getting zero recruiting. So we went from 
you saw like Jeff Levy go and uh, Roger Rugelow. I don't know if you guys even know these names. Nothing. Jeff Levy was a big deal. We're going to have him on the show, but he was drafted by Dallas. and uh, Actually, it was Minnesota at the time, I think. I can't remember. But anyway, he was like the biggest thing to come out of here. Even when he played in the IHL, he came back to Utah with Kalamazoo. And they were like, hey, it's, uh, it's Jeff Levy day here. So we had like we had big goalies coming out of here, good goalies, but we were having a hard time getting anybody else out of here because we kept overselling what we were. And then even when I was coaching, uh, we were playing against teams, other Utah teams had their jackets had triple A slash double A, and we're like, that's not a thing. Yeah. You you are something or you're not something, and it's you have. To, you have to let the players develop, and you have to be smart enough and uh, ego-free enough to say, okay, this is what we've got this year. That doesn't mean we're uh, – the bad thing is is the travel team organizations are getting locked down and like, okay, if you were this this year, you have to be this this year, or you're not going to go back to AAA. It should be like, this is what we – this is the talent we got. We're good enough to be this level, and that's what we are this year. It has zero bearing on next year, but I don't know. A lot of people lose sight of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, absolutely. But, and I've, I've got some, well, I will tell, I've got great stories about just parents getting too involved with stuff and not, like, this was a, this is a Mason Manic story that just kind of mm. illustrates this even better. Uh, his mom just told me this story the other day. And um, there was a game, it was, it was the two travel team, the lo- two local travel teams playing against each other. And you had uh, Mason Manic ends up getting the overtime winner against the other organization and the other he scores on the other goalie who happens to be Hunter Swinson, who happens to be Mason's best friend. And you've got parents in the stands freaking out about missed calls or whatever led to Mason's goal that won the championship. And you've got parents threatening to sue and all this other stuff, right? And we're going to protest this game and that ref should be fired. And they're, uh, they're just, the parents are beside themselves. And Hunter and Mason come walking out of opposite locker rooms. And again, Mason just scored on Hunter to send them home for the summer. And they're like, hey, can we have a sleepover tonight? <laughs> like, they don't care. They just played hockey and they had fun. And they developed and, and that's what we should be focused on. And obviously it's, it worked. I mean, that, that, that year of players, we've got so many players in that birth year and the WHL or an NCAA or whatever. I mean, so things were working. Parents need to clue into that. And so do coaches and so do organizations. You are the talent that you are, and you're, the whole purpose you are there for is to develop these kids. Yeah. So, cool. So uh, what else is in store for you guys this year with the, with the Eagles? So uh, doing a little bit of travel this year. Uh, we got a few tournaments coming up. We have play a tournament in Provo this week. Uh, this weekend, Idaho Falls next weekend. I know we head to the Coyote Cup uh, oh, at the yeah, end of one. yeah end of December. Um, a President's Day Cup out in Colorado Springs, and then coming back home for the Spring Fling that the Lightning always put on in March, and uh, maybe a Park City tournament in March as well. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's a good season. Yeah, it's was it like forty games maybe? I think we'll end up around 40 or 50. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you guys just got back from Aspen, right? Just got back from Aspen. And that's, am I thinking the right place? That has just an amazing rink, right? That, is that just a cool barn? Uh, is that Aspen or is that Ville? I'm so, thinking of Ville. Yeah, so Aspen's got a couple. The one barn there that's really old is kind of like that uh, that tent sort of yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and that one's pretty cool. They didn't have any bathrooms in the locker room, which the players were uh, complaining <laughs> about a little bit. So you had to run all the way to the other side of the rink to go to the restroom. Um, but really old rink, but really fun to play in. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Well, oh, cool. How has the uh, <clears throat> transition been from playing to coaching? Uh, it's been interesting, a, a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Um, it definitely gives you a, a new perspective on things. I wasn't, so I, I did, you know, private lessons growing up for uh, kids since I was like 18, just doing like power skating stuff, because that's kind of what my background's in. Um, and then coaching, transitioning to coaching a full team, I wasn't really planning on getting into coaching, but it's definitely given me a new perspective on, uh, you know, what coaches are looking for when they want to give guys ice time or when guys are looking for ice time. Even though you play hockey your whole life and your coach is like, you know, I'm going to give ice time to the guys that are out there grinding, working hard, you know, doing the right things on the ice. You do, it doesn't really hit you until you're coaching and you're looking for that. You have like, to make that decision. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's been fun. Uh, it's been challenging, definitely trying to figure out what motivates each kid. Um trying to figure out, you know, how to get the best out of each kid. You know, some kids you got to kind of get on them to, to get best, the best out of them. Some kids you got to encourage them and uh, give them props when it's due to, to sort of lift them up and help them play their game. So it's it's been a challenge trying to figure out what exactly is motivating these 12, 13, 14-year-olds where they're at kind of that age where they're trying to figure themselves out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing for a living right now? So I'm, I'm the sales director at Excel Fitness. Okay. So I direct all the, you know, set, manage all the sales, manage the uh, front desk there. And that's what I do full time. And how does that work with coaching? Are they, do they know what you're doing and they're supportive of you or do you just have to balance everything on your own? Uh, I mean, they know what I'm doing. I am fortunate enough to do all the scheduling for what I do. So I get to schedule all my front desk staff. I get to schedule all the sales staff. So it, it kind of works out to where I can schedule myself off when I need it off. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't had any issues as far as, you know, being the last the last man in kind of thing where we've had someone call in or anything like that. But it is tough to balance. I do work uh, somewhere between like 40 and 50 hours a week. And so it is tough to balance with the coaching as well because it's definitely more of a time commitment than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did, how did you get roped into coaching? Uh, what Like I said, wasn't planning on it, but Cody Bowen, yeah. who I was talking about before, played uh, Eagles with him, played Lightning with him. He had already been coaching the U16s for a couple of years, and he's on the board of directors for the Eagles. Um, so he called me up, kind of got recruited into it, uh, thought I'd be a good candidate for it, and he you know, said, hey, do you want to coach the 14s team? And I took a little while to think about it, um, and we, we met, had lunch, and decided why not go for it, try my hand at it, kind of give back, like yeah. you were saying. Um I've always had great coaches in the past, so wanted to do my best to get back and and not playing now this year as far as you know competitive playing the ACHA, still playing men's league and stuff. But it, I felt like it was a good way to to stay in the game, to, to you know be around the hockey community, still be with the boys, that kind of thing. And who's coaching with you? Uh, Coach David Barnes okay. and Taylor Nichols. So David Barnes uh, on our men's league team as well. <laughs> yeah, obviously we played all five years at the U together. Uh, we lived together for a couple years, worked together, uh, definitely one of my best buddies. And then uh, Taylor Nichols, never actually got the chance to play with him, but he's our goalie coach. Yeah. and He's a Murray kid. Yeah, yeah. Murray kid. I coached uh, him when he was a little guy. Yeah. Yeah, Murray kid, um, great 
you know, great guy, great coach, one of my best buddies. And, you know, I asked them both if they were willing to, to coach with me, and, and they were both, you know, down for it. So it's awesome. It's, it's great having them. They're awesome. That is cool. Well, that's cool. And uh, so what teams do you know? I don't know if you know about the organization, but do you know what the rest of the Eagles are? Like, do you still have U18s, U16s? Yeah, so still U18s, U16s. U14s, obviously, and then U12s as well. Okay, so because I, I thought like last year maybe they they dropped a couple teams. Uh, I think last year, I'm pretty sure they still had all the same teams last year. Okay. I'm not positive on the 16s and 18s, but I'm pretty sure they had both. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I just, I, I thought it was fun and, and just sitting in the locker room the other day and listening to you guys talk about coaching and, and going on these tournaments. I was like, man, that's just, a, it's a cool story. And I, I hope everybody understands that because people are going to yell at you as a coach. They're going to yell at you about ice time. Yeah. Their kid's not getting the right ice time and what tactics you use or whatever. And I think it's important for you to be able to tell your side of the story and and, and for people to remember, look, you're out there. You don't have a kid in the game. You're out there doing this because you're a good guy and you want to give back. And that's huge. I mean, that's like – it's the ultimate you know, payback because – how else are you going to give back to these kids? And there's not a lot of other people that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to devote how much? You guys three or four times a week practice. Three. So I'm going to devote three hours, three practices a week. So that's an hour to get there and get ready, an hour on the ice, and then usually another half hour to hour explaining things to parents or whatever. Or at that point, you also at, at this age that you're at. You're also dealing with kids going that, that are growing and they're going through puberty and they have all kinds of problems in their life. Yeah. And everything is the end of the world for them. And you become another resource for them. You become a, a mentor. And, like, I, I still have kids that I coached at U14s, 15s, 16s, and 18s that I'm in contact with at the very least monthly, if not weekly. And just that we're, we're friends now, right? And And – I get invited to weddings and graduations and all kinds of stuff. And just all the time, just you become part of their life and you try to give them the best guidance. And I hope parents understand that you're, you're not getting paid a ton of money to be there or, you're, are you, or even anything. And you're just there out of the goodness of your heart, trying to get back to the sport and to the people. So that's cool. I just wanted to get you out here and thank you for doing that. And let other people hear this, that, you know, when you see these coaches that are out there and these younger guys that they don't have a kid in the game, just to realize that they're doing it because they're awesome. <laughs> and that's nice. And to realize that and not to yell at them. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah exactly. And that was, uh, you know, with the coaching staff that we put together <clears throat> between me, Coach Barnes, and Coach Nichols, um, that was kind of our goal too is, you know, none of us have kids in the game. So we don't have any biases as far as, like, ice time goes, anything like that. And my biggest thing growing up was I always uh, – it, it bothered me when I had coaches that couldn't skate trying to teach me how to skate, like, yeah. you know, some of the parent coaches kind of thing. And so it was one of those things where it was like, hey, you know, we all got the opportunity to play at a high level. And, uh, you know, we, we have these skills that, that we can teach these kids, you know, teach them how to skate by, you know, demonstrating how to skate, that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of our goal with, with getting everything together is we didn't want a lot of parent involvement. We wanted to just kind of do it, um, you know, just us for the for the kids and, and just have a good time with it. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you think, Evan? 
I think it's great to hear. I'm kind of I've started helping out with the team too. So hearing kind of what you're doing and it's kind of a lot of the same things that I believe too. And it's, I mean, it's I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Same type of thing. I never really thought I would like to coach or get into coaching, but it is it's pretty rewarding and it's pretty fun and it's it's good to see people that actively want to be there because they're you know at the end of the day they're going to put more into it than someone that's just kind of using as a little pay bump or something like that like you you want to be there you want to help these kids and you want to grow the game where you're from which i think is amazing yeah yeah it's definitely one of the biggest things i've learned so far is uh you know like you saying wanting to be there the more uh preparation you put into a practice plan you know the better that practice is going to go and so that was kind of one of the things i had to learn at the start of the season where it's you know not just show up and then do you know whatever drills you feel like doing you know have have a plan be prepared to adjust that plan based on how practice is going and and stuff like that and and we've seen definitely a lot of growth of the players uh, as far as you know their skating goes their puck handling uh their teamwork and it's it's been awesome to watch it but, is cool when you see something that you've tried to implement kind of grow into their game and just become part of it because then you know you know you can take the next step and go that much further so it's it's kind of cool to see that 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 growth that you're able to yeah absolutely and and you can take a little bit of you know ownership in it as a coach too where I was talking to to coach Barnes and coach Nichols about it the other day I, I think now I get more excited when our team scores goals than when I scored goals you know back playing for the U because it's just one of those things where you know you see them score the goal off you know driving wide with speed driving to the net and uh, you know, passing back door or whatever, and it's like, hey, we were just working on that in practice the other day, nope. and now you're implementing it in the game, and just get you amped up on the bench. It's so cool, and that's it's the same thing as a parent too. You get more excited. Like I get more nervous to watch my kids play than I ever got to play. But it's funny you, you mentioned that. It, it's a couple of things that you mentioned that struck something with me is that I we had worked on Mohawks with because uh, Greg Lieb was my assistant coach when I was with the Eagles. And he'd been working on these Mohawks with these kids. And we had one of our kids that initially was a um, practice player. And then he'd worked his way onto the team. And he was just, he'd always work hard. And sure enough, man, he scored a goal. We've seen him pull. It gets behind the net, goes Sidney Crosby, gets the, pulls the Mohawk, and comes out and scores a goal. First goal of the year was the exact same thing we'd been working on in practice for the last two weeks. And he came off. He's like, I Mohawked, I Mohawked. <laughs> he thought it was so cool, you know. And, and, I think I was just as, as excited as he was. But there were also times where, from coaching for so long, I'd see a kid make a mistake in a game, and I'd be like, I know what drill we can do next practice. And I'd, I always had sticky notes. Like, I'd write, so when I'd show up to practice, I had a, a stack of sticky notes. And I got to the point where the kids even knew the name of the drill. I had, you know, 15 drills that I'd use all year. And they were drills that I stole from some of the best coaches I knew, whether it was a Grizzlies coach or whether it was J.P. Parisi or, you know, whoever. I've had the luxury of sitting on the Grizzlies bench for 20 years and and watching – or the – And playing. Yeah, yeah, and (laughs) playing for 12 minutes in 20 years. But there was uh, uh, some really good coaches out of the Idaho Steelheads too, Laxdahl and uh, the guy that went – he's coaching the NHL now. I forgot his name all of a sudden. Anyway – but I, I would steal these drills, and I'd be like, I know what they are, and I'd write them down, and then I'd name them after that coach or whatever, and I'd tell the tell my team, I'd be like, all right, or like Trevor Lewis's warm up that he loves. I'm like, oh, we're doing Louis one, which is a short version of a drill, or Louis two, or short or long or whatever, and we called it. My kids knew right away. But you you'll be able to see a player do something, and you'll be like, I know the drill, 
And that's just one of those things that comes with experience. It didn't come with experience of, as a player, but as, a, as coaching, you're like, I, I know what's going to fix that problem or help that kid get better at that, that skill. And it's, that's, it's almost fun, as fun as, co- as playing, is being like... It's a different version of it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like, hey, I, I'm, still play- I'm still involved in the game, and now I'm putting pieces of the puzzle together for that guy to make him better and make him you know, not make a mistake or, or ma- score a goal or whatever. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, I think about it all day at work too. Where thinking about you know if we have a game that weekend, what are the different lines I can put together oh. to get the best out of the kids? You know stuff like that. What what can we do for practice tonight to you know you know be fun but also get a lot of development out of them? So just think about it all the time. Yeah, I told a kid one time this, and I felt bad because it, it's one of those things where you're. I knew the kid didn't fit in on the the two lines that we had going into the state playoffs here. He was a really good player, but where his skill set was wasn't on one of those two lines. I didn't know how to fit him into the game. And I told, and so my whole plan was I told him, I said, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm basically going to use you like a secret weapon. And I'm gonna, I'm, you're not going to play a ton in the first period. But in the second period, in the third period, you're going to play a ton. You're, you'll have fresh legs, and you'll be, you'll, he's a fast skater, and he had kind of crazy hands. And I, I told him all these things. And then the game was really tight, and I ended up not putting him in a lot until the third period. I put him in. He probably played five or six shifts. So then uh, he was upset and depressed more than anything. And then I feel like, you know, like the the movies or the kids that would go to camp, summer camp, and the coach would or the camp director would be like, you know what your special Indian name is? <laughs> but he'd give all the kids the same name because it was just blowing smoke. And I felt like I was that coach that I – I didn't mean to blow smoke at that kid. I honestly thought he was going to be my secret weapon and that I was going to put him in. But when things got tight, I just stuck with the guys I knew what they were going to do. Yeah. This kid could score goals, and it probably would have been it, it probably would have been in my best interest to get him into the game. But I just stuck with what I knew, and I felt bad as a coach. Like, ah, oh, I just screwed that kid. I just felt bad. That's that the other side of that, though, right? Like, and it always sucked to cut kids at, at tryouts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Those are the worst calls to give. Yep. Absolutely. Or, or like you were saying, like in the games, it's, I, I, you know, I know how bad everyone wants to play at the end of the game, down by a goal, and you call a timeout and, and say who's going out, and everyone that's not going out kind of, it's like, ah, you know, I want to be out there, be the, be the guy to score the goal. So you, you feel for all those kids for sure. Yeah. My team's would even throw it in my face a little bit too. Like, oh, is Trevin going out again? Because I was coaching Trevin Morgan at the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're putting Trevin out again? Like, well, yeah, he's got like 40 goals this year. So <laughs> yeah, Trevin's probably going out. Yeah. How many goals do you have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got four. He's got 40. But I had some really good kids, so I was always lucky. And, you know, I hopefully I didn't hose too many kids over. You try and use that as a teaching moment too. I yeah. Mean, you could be there, you know, work on this, work on that. It's try and make everything as much of a – learning experience as you can, especially at under 12, 14, 16, when they're still kind of grasping the game. And it might be tough now, but if you can help them kind of see past that and see what what could become of that, I think it's hopefully that's one way to spin it. Yeah. And that, I mean, that is what it is. And But I did, honestly, I got to the point when I was coaching at U12s and U14s, I put my lines together and then I rolled them. And I did have a power play, and I did have a penalty kill. But other than that, I just rolled the lines. And I would still have parents freaking out. But I'm like, they'd play for 45 seconds to a minute and then get off. And then the next line would go. And parents would be like, are you kidding me? Like, 
what? Yeah. I'm rolling lines. Yeah. But when I got to, it was towards the end of U16s and U18s when guys are committing to colleges and going to juniors or, or whatever, uh, yeah, I stopped rolling lines and I stopped, or I started playing more like, I started coaching, mm-hmm. right? I started really trying to match lines and trying to do a better job at it. And you have to win and you have to give these kids the shot that they've earned. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're playing in those tournaments with, you've got scouts in the stands. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to go anywhere. I was trying to get these kids that were, that had the legitimate shot of going somewhere out of here. It's a tough so. balance to find where to give everyone the opportunity to showcase that they can play that way or that level or at that time, but also, you know, like it's, you got to kind of put the people that are putting the work in to get them to the next level if they can. Yeah. It's a tough call to make. Well, and then I get, you get parents that are going to be mad at you too. It's because uh, we went to the tournament in December in Minnesota. It was a heavily recruited tournament, and I'd called every friend I had that was coaching in the USHL or college. So I called all three friends. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, and you know who I'm calling. I'm calling Peter Menino, and I'm, you know, I'm calling those guys, and I'm like, hey, I've got these players. Come on, come check them out. And they did. They came and checked them out. And you know what happened? I lost three guys to juniors, and the the rest of the parents were mad, like just flaming mad at me because how would I do this to our team? And in my mind, I'm like, look at what I just did for our team. Yeah, our right. three best players are gone. The rest of the year is going to hurt. And it did hurt because we, same thing with the Eagles, we lost in overtime to go to the national championship. And, yeah, and I had to suspend a player that morning. For I caught him drinking. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was down four guys, and I'm like, well, what do I do? Do I let the kid play that I just caught? I didn't, and Uber was new to me, and so was Tender. I didn't know any of that crap. The minute we landed, this kid had tendered and had girls picking him up at the hotel. <laughs> and so I, I caught a kid doing that. I had to suspend him, right? But he's one of our key players. So we go into the, it's the semifinals. So what do you do? Do you compromise your integrity as a team or do you stand your ground? I had to stand my ground. And so then we lose in overtime. And again, it's like, well, the season's over, but mad. people were mad. You'd think they, it'd be nice if they realized that, well, these opportunities are coming. Like you're oh. creating these opportunities. You'd think that. I mean, that would help the organization in the long run just because other people see that, oh, I can go here and potentially move on, which yeah. is kind of everyone's end goal. How many other travel teams could say they put three teams on junior that year? Mm-hmm. Like, not many. And I worked my butt off to get those kids out of here. But it did bite us in the end because Trevin Morgan was one of them. So I lost his goal production, and we were one goal away from playing for the national championship. And it was – and I had, I, had the, I had the best two goalies. Like, both my goalies were at 94% all year. And we could go into any tournament, and I knew we were going to be solid. But then I, my whole first line was gone. And then a guy off my second line. So it was tough, but it's one of those things where you become a coach and you want to teach these kids and you want to teach, you want to teach them that one, you'll help them and it, you'll help them at your own sacrifice. And two, that there are rules in life that you have to follow. And if you don't follow them, there are consequences. And that kid going out and drinking didn't put the team first. So that, that's, you know, and I still see him at men's league now. And that's come up a couple times. He'll be like, hey, you remember when you kicked me out of the game? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Remember when you were freaking 
Ubering, Ubering out to get some liquor. Yeah. But yeah, it was, but those are the things. Those are the challenges you face, especially as a young coach coaching kids. And you're not going to face it, U12s, I hope, or U14s. <laughs> Hopefully not that. Hopefully not that. But it's one of the things. I mean, you're pushing, so you're, you're going to get your kids out. And we do have – we are the road to Colorado, as they call us, and you may maybe you start shopping your kids around in Colorado a little bit and try to do what's best for that kid. And it might, it might not be best for your wins and losses, but it's best for that kid and best for your organization as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I think if uh – you know, you're looking out for the long-term development of the kids, looking out for the long-term development of the organization. That's something you got to do, even if it's going to cost you in the short term. Yeah, because if you look at it, so you've got uh, you've got a couple contacts here with, you could say Skyline High and the Eagles U18s at Daniel Brickley, and he's one of the few that's signed an NHL contract out of this state. Yeah, so it's got to say something for both those programs. But anyway. All right, well, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to have you in here and just have you shed some light on your story and how things are going and, and tell us about the U and tell us about the Eagles. So I'm glad you came in. Well, thanks for having me on. That was awesome. So, uh, Evan, thanks for coming in. It's good to be back, like I said, and thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing your knowledge, and that is the Utah Puck Report.